Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app? It's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Yes, welcome to the Believe and Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. Thanks, as always, for the support of the podcast. Thanks to my son, Dagan, for producing the podcast and all the guests we've had. We're only five weeks into this thing. The downloads and uh, subscribers have been just uh, impressive and overwhelming. So tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your family uh, that you like it and see if we can keep growing this thing. I love doing it. It's been uh, a nice diversion and a way to re-energize me as well. So, again... This week, we've already spoken with Tyler Columbus. That was in the earlier pod. Today, I'm going to have a chance before we see what could be a full squad of Broncos players on Monday, including quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. I want to kind of chop up the offensive numbers and explain why, despite all the optimism about this defense, this team cannot reach the postseason without improving dramatically offensively. Now, there's a couple outlier arguments in here to where you could bring up and say, Troy, what about the Bears last year? What about the Rams? Well, that's true. The Rams had the best defense in football, and they made it, and the Bears squeaked into the playoffs and were embarrassed by the Saints. Uh, So uh, the one you could point to would be the Rams, a team that the Broncos would try to mirror, but I don't see the Broncos with the personnel of the Rams defensively. They're going to be good, but I don't think it's fair to say the Broncos can be the number one team um, defensively in the league right now based on the fact that their offense doesn't score enough points. And what led me to this topic? Well, it has been a topic since Peyton Manning retired five years ago. Broncos haven't reached 21 points a game in average since the Hall of Famer left the building. And it has led to problems across the board offensively. Uh, five coordinators in. Pat Shermer is now repeating in his second year as offensive coordinator, which should be a good thing. He's got to do better in his play calling and putting guys in better position uh, to succeed. And obviously the players have to execute this offense better. But a second year in his offense should benefit this team. A somewhat more normal offseason than a year ago should benefit this team, which was trying to accelerate and microwave the development of multiple young offensive players Uh, a year ago, which was part of the reason they struggled. But the reality is they've struggled because they've had 10 starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired. Let's just call it what it is, 10. And one of those was Phillip Lindsay starting against the New Orleans Saints because the quarterback room got uh, banned by the NFL for mask violation protocol. I mean, that's just kind of the Cliff Notes summary of why it's gone wrong. Two quarterbacks since Manning have had a winning record. Trevor Simeon 
and Brett Rippon. That's it. And so until the play improves at that position, the Broncos' offense can't improve dramatically. And the reason I bring this up is that this isn't going to be the latest indictment on the quarterback position. We're going to discuss that and get into this, you know, the Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater and Aaron Rodgers trade rumors still continue to float and have a bit of life until they don't, frankly. And that is a story we will continue to follow until it's made clear the Packers won't trade him. But the problem with the Broncos offense, it's twofold for me. One, they don't score points regularly, as you all know in Broncos country. And they scored 20.2 points per game last year in Pat Shermer's first year in the offense. An offense that was supposed to you know, be much improved from uh, Rich Gangarello, which frankly, Drew Locke played better in that offense the way it was structured for him. But just go through these offensive statistics, and this is why I'm saying it takes significant improvement. And it's not just personnel. The Broncos ranked dead last in turnover margin, minus 16. They were 21st in time of possession. That's a problem. I'm going to go through these lists. So just take it and listen as you're driving in your car, listening at work. Consider some of these numbers. Net yards per game a year ago, 335, that ranked 23rd. Yards per play, they ranked 25th. Points per game, 28th. Net rushing, the one thing they did well, which became a little bit of their identity, uh, they ranked 13th at 119.9 yards per game. Passing, 26th in yards per game at 215. Passes intercepted, 23, worst in the league. Fumbles lost, tied for 18th. That's not so much on the quarterbacks as Melvin Gordon a year ago. Giveaways, 32, dead last. Sacks allowed, uh, 32, 13th. So it wasn't all on just sacks. Third down percentage, 26th in the league. Red zone percentage, 27th. So you can sit here and tell me that the offense, they've got all this talent. They've got all this, they're doing all these great, at some point, it has to translate statistically. I mean, I just read off all of the important stats that teams send out on a weekly basis to the media. I mean, you could go much in, in a deeper dive onto these, and it would probably get worse. And I, I know it would, frankly. But only two stats are they considered above average in the league. And that's rushing yards per game and sacks allowed. That's it. So that's why I'm saying you got to improve. You got to caffeinate the offense. You've got to be able to have deep strikes. That's why Shermer was brought in here in large part. Vertical passing game that never materialized, materialized because Drew Locke could not find a connection with Jerry Judy. That will clearly have a chance of improving this year with the addition of Cortland Sutton. What I've seen of Sutton and talked to teammates, he's, he's ahead of schedule in his recovery from ACL. And it is impossible to overstate how much he was missed because he's a leader in the huddle on the field and he's open when he's covered. He was a security blanket for Drew Locke two years ago. And those are huge guys on third down. And even if Sutton doesn't get the catch, he's got a chance to draw an interference call because of his size, body control. And that's huge and, and valuable. And the fact that he's going to take away a number one corner and allow someone like a Jerry Judy to have a better matchup. And so those are things you have to consider as they're trying to improve. And that's fair. They will improve because of the return of a healthy Cortland Sutton. But the improvement requires significant jumps. And here's another number. We just read off that in essentially about 15 of the league's most defining offensive statistics, the Broncos rank in the second half or bottom third. 
The other thing to consider with them, in the AFC West, I'm going to read off the points per game last year. Chiefs, Super Bowl team, obviously, lost in the Super Bowl, 28.5. Raiders, 27.1. Chargers, 24 points. Broncos, 20.2. No surprise here, the Broncos went 1-5 and five in their division last year. You cannot be a winning record, you cannot achieve a winning record and reach the postseason if you're the worst team in your own division scoring points. It puts too much pressure on your defense to be great. And now this defense this year on paper has a chance to be good. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on great because they need a complimentary offense. You can't be a great defense if you can't get takeaways. And you can't get takeaways if you're trailing in football games. And that's the other point I want to bring up here as you look at the Broncos' issues and how they need to get better. It really, for me, starts at the beginning of games. I mean, it starts with the start. Warren Sharp from Sharp Football. I mean, they have a bunch of guys on Twitter that do the you know analytics on stats, and I use them more in stories than I do uh, on Twitter. But he had an impressive stat earlier this week on his Twitter account, and he listed the number of first-half drives by teams ending with a touchdown. So you get the ball and you score in the first half. First half, touchdown drives. We got that clear, right? That's the metric we're using here. Number one in the league, Green Bay Packers. 39 first half drives, any with touchdowns. Let me go down. I'm going to scroll. I'm going to scroll. I'm going to scroll. Wait, I've got carpal tunnel. Uh, my hand is cramping. I'm going to scroll. I'm going to scroll. The Broncos, dead last with 11 first half scoring drives that ended in a touchdown. I mean, the Broncos have cornered the market on field goals. We've got that part down. I mean, they, Brandon McManus outside of the Carolina game, he was nails. He, you know, won. He and the defense won the game at New England last year where they did not score a touchdown. That's not a recipe for success in the modern NFL. Can you do it in an outlier game? Absolutely. Can you get to the playoffs not scoring touchdowns in the first half? You cannot. So just think on that a minute. Aaron Rodgers... Green Bay Packers, 39 of their first half drives ended in touchdowns. The next closest to them was New Orleans at 32. But even then, you look at Kansas City, 28. L.A. Chargers, 25. Las Vegas, 23. So the closest team in the division to the Broncos in first half touchdowns, the Vegas Raiders, 23. The Broncos, 11. And this is my point when we keep talking about this defense is going to be great. The defense will not be great if you're not scoring early in games or in the first half. Because if you watch the NFL closely and take your fantasy league team out of it for a second and just watch the scope of the game with a little wider lens, if you're trailing 17-7 early in the third quarter, 20-10 deep into the third, early in the fourth, you get the defense gets a stop there or gets a, a key third down, third and eight. The other team's on their own 38 yard line. Do you think that team's going to put their quarterback in position to get sacked on third and 10? Don't you think that's going to be a two step drop, quick slant, or it's going to be a screen pass, or it's going to be a little dump down? Because they're not worried if the Broncos stop them. They're going to punt and dare the Broncos to drive 80 yards and score. That's what we've seen with the Broncos. 
Again, I said the stat uh, on a couple of pods ago that Aaron Rodgers had more touchdown passes than his team had punts last year. 48 touchdown passes, 47 punts, I believe is the number. Broncos had 69 punts last year, 23 touchdown passes. So when you want to come at me and say, oh, this offense, this offense. Listen, I'm not saying they can't do it, but understand the improvement required. That's what I'm saying here. That's why when we talk about Aaron Rodgers as a possibility, it goes directly back to those numbers. The Broncos don't score enough points to be a winning team in this league. And I dive deeper into that just to see out of curiosity again last year, and I've done this the last few years, but of the top 10 scoring teams last year, nine reached the playoffs. Only one team that didn't were the Raiders at 27-1, and their defense was atrocious. Their defensive coordinator got fired during the season. So it tells you, not unlike if the Broncos had a functional offense with their defense a couple years ago, certainly in 2016, they would have been a playoff team. But in the NFL, you have to play some version of complementary football. And the Raiders were the only team to rank in the top 10 in scoring to not reach the playoffs a year ago. And only three playoff teams finished below my magic number, which has become 25 points per game. I've I've oscillated between 23 points and 25 points a game as that magic number. The Rams, they got, here are the three playoff teams that reached the playoffs with below 25. Rams, 23-3. Bears, 22-4. Washington, Washington 21-1. Rams would be the one example you could say, hey, maybe the Broncos could replicate that. Um, But again, when you're talking about the Rams, the issue for me is Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald were arguably the two best defensive players in football last year on the same team. Um, The Broncos don't have that. I mean, Donald, who Von Miller was back in 2015 and 16, Vaughn is really good. He's not Aaron Donald right now at this point in his career at age 33, um, you know, coming off a missed season and his lowest sack total. And you, they don't have a shutdown corner like Jalen Ramsey. Kyle Fuller has had an all-pro year for Vic Fangio. That was a couple years ago. He's got to prove it. Ronald Darby's a nice player. Nice, but he's not an interception guy. He's got to prove that part of his game. He's never made a Pro Bowl or been all-pro. So be careful when you say that. Now, they have Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, if not the best safety tandem in the league. It's right there. And Simmons has been one of the top uh, free safeties in the league now for three years running. And he's been a takeaway machine. You know, when you, They had 16 takeaways last year. Justin Simmons had five by himself. But you look at the Broncos' defense, they have a chance with Sertain, with Bryce Callahan, with Fuller, with Darby, and a healthy Bradley Chubb and a healthy Von Miller to get turnovers, to do better. But they're not going to be creating an insane amount of takeaways if the Broncos' offense does not improve their scoring in the first quarter and first halves of games. It's really that simple. But when you look at where that number is to get in, that's why I say, for me, you've got to think between 23 to 25 points a game. The goal needs to be 25. You score 25 points a game, you're going to be in the playoffs. Arizona missed. They were in it to the last week of the season last year. Every team that gets to that number of 25 is right in it. They either get in or they they you know they lose out on the last week of the season. Bronco fans, I mean, I, I would take that. Meaningful football, 
in late December, early January. We haven't had that around here. Vance Joseph's last team was 6-6 six and six and then proceeded to lose their final four games. Their Broncos under Fangio haven't played a relevant game in the second half of a season. They've started 0-7 in September. I mean, they've essentially been buried uh, before we got to December. You know, and so that's why that number of 25 to me sticks out. The Rams, again, they pulled it off. They take care of the ball. They won with 23 points a game, and they had the best defense in football. The Bears, again, really good defense, not unlike when Coach Fangio was there. But their quarterback play was mediocre at best, if not below. And they got hot at the end, frankly, because their schedule was soft at the end of the season. And that's not their fault, but it was. And they got to the playoffs, and they got smashed by the Saints. And Washington was a playoff team in name only. They had a losing record. So I don't even want to hear it about how Washington made it with a bad offense. They're not going to do that this year. The team in the NFC East this year is going to have a winning record. You're not making it to the playoffs at 21 points a game. It was a complete anomaly year. We all know that. And credit to them because their defense is fantastic. That is not the blueprint to reach the playoffs by winning seven games. But... The Bears are the one interesting argument you can trace back to the Broncos because there is obviously a connection to Coach Fangio there and how they won there. But the Bears had the worst quarterback in their division and reached the playoffs. And I've always said that and talked about this the last few years. It is hard to reach the postseason if you have the worst quarterback in your own AFC West. And the Broncos do right now. I mean, that's the situation we're looking at. They have the worst quarterback statistically. And Trubisky pulled it off last year. It's terrible in that playoff game against the Saints. They get knocked out. But he was the worst quarterback in that division behind Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Kirk Cousins. For the Broncos to pull that off, again, you're looking at a a division that has Patrick Mahomes, whose contract runs to 2031, and who's had the best start of a career to any, any quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's not going anywhere. And he's, what, I think 25, 26. Justin Herbert... Best passing season ever by a rookie last season with the Chargers. He's not going anywhere. And they've done everything to protect him with uh, reinforcements with the offensive line. And Derek Carr, again, for all the criticism he takes, he threw 27 touchdowns with nine picks last year. The Broncos had that from their quarterback position. They're a playoff team. That's a three to one. I mean, you take that ratio all day. Broncos have been around one to one or one and a half to one touchdown to picks for, you know, since the Case Keenum years. Uh, if not before. So this is what we look at now is where does the quarterback position go for the Broncos? What is the key if they don't get Rodgers? Well, there's three there's three scenarios here, and we're going to talk about those after the break of what is realistic for the Broncos next year offensively based on those three quarterback scenarios. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. That's one 1- 833 or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. 
Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank, and we are going to finish this quickly with looking at quarterback scenarios for the Denver Broncos. What is available to them? Let's tar- start with the hypothetical because it's fun and it's what everyone is going to talk about in the NFL. Uh, the hot takes revolve around Aaron Rodgers because of his frigid relationship with the Green Bay Packers. So as long as there's a possibility he could be traded, the Broncos represent one of the best fits because of their cap space, because of the picks they could give up, and because of need, frankly. The the most realistic scenario for a trade that I have seen talking to industry sources would be three first-round picks, likely Jerry Judy, and then Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Would they ask for a Dalton Reisler or Bradley Chubb? Probably. I don't think you would have to include them in that deal if you're giving up three ones, Judy, and a quarterback. Uh, could that get it done? And George Payton has shown he'll be in on talks. He will be nimble. So we would expect him to be interested uh, if the Packers decide Aaron Rodgers must be moved. I still think right now it's tilting the other way, that they're going to try forever to give him a big contract, make him the highest paid player in the league. And at that point, they move on from Jordan Love or make it clear that Jordan Love has no future there. And they just commit to Aaron Rodgers fully because – there's still a Super Bowl caliber team. If you take Aaron Rodgers off their roster, I'm not sure they're a playoff team because there doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence in Jordan Love. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos roster, for me, they are a 12 and 5, 13 and 4 team, a top 5 team in the AFC along with the Chiefs, the Bills, the Browns, Ravens. I'd put the Broncos right in that mix. And with Rodgers again, the difference is that home schedule next year with any quarterback, the Broncos need to be thinking in terms of 7-2 and two at Empower Field. But with Rodgers, he gives you a chance to win on the road. And that's what Peyton Manning did. That's what the great quarterbacks do. They give you a chance to win on the road because every time you look up at the other team's quarterback, you think, well, our guy's probably better. And in every game, Aaron Rodgers is better other than maybe Mahomes is hotter at that point in the season or healthier. But Rodgers is the reigning MVP. He'd give you a chance in any game. So if he's the quarterback, you're thinking 28 points a game, they're a playoff team. End of story. Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. Teddy Bridgewater, I expect him uh, to be at practice on Monday. I was tying up some personal issues uh, that kept him away this week. Again, it's voluntary, so he did not have to be there. Typically, quarterbacks are. It's an unusual offseason with his COVID issues and the NFLPA advising players to stay away. Regardless, I do expect Teddy and more veterans to show up on Monday. With Teddy Bridgewater, to me, you've got to find a better version of Case Keenum, like a guy who can take care of the ball and take chances and get them to – 23 to 25 points a game. And if you could keep the turnovers down, you could be a 10 and 7 team. Your defense could do enough. You'd have to run the football. Teddy is wildly accurate. The one thing he is, he's very accurate. He's been one of the most accurate passers in the league. But he's a little bit of shrugged shoulders. He doesn't take a lot of chances. Last year, he turned the ball over more than he ever has. And in talking to people in Carolina, there was some belief. He kind of got hung out to dry. He said that in a recent podcast interview that, you know, they didn't practice red zone stuff and they, they weren't as prepared as perhaps they should have been um, in Carolina. Obviously, when Christian McCaffrey got hurt and missed essentially most of the season, that did not help Teddy because he's a guy who likes to dump it down for six yards and let somebody get the other five for a first down. But is he has he shown he could 
lead a team to the playoffs scoring 23 to 25 points a game. He has. It's just for me that could be best case scenario based on what I saw last year. And that's a concern because can he find a way to get back to who he was with the Saints? Can he find a way to get back with his best season with the Vikings? Uh, the past isn't a great indicator of the present in the NFL for me, not like other sports. Uh, but Teddy, if he takes care of the ball, could do it. For me, there's more upside with Drew Locke. I mean, he's got more potential. He's got a higher ceiling. His willingness to take chances at times thrills us. With Drew, it's very simple. Take care of the ball better. And he's had turnovers in 11 straight games last year. And so Drew's worked on his footwork. You can see that even in these early practice sessions. He's changed some stuff with his stance. He's changed a little bit with his footwork. That's all shows signs of maturity. Working hard has never been an issue for Drew Locke. It's translated into the field. And I think he was humbled at times last year and understands that in the NFL, there's a way to win. And sometimes you have to live to fight another day. You can't force passes that aren't there in the league. You can't squander opportunities throwing into double and triple coverage when you're just not, your team's not good enough to overcome it, frankly. They're just not good enough to overcome it. So I give Bridgewater a slight edge going into camp because of his veteran experience, because Fangio, anything less than 2-1 and one in September would doom their season for me because they have one of the easiest starting schedules in the league. And they can't afford to lose those games. So I, I do believe they might tilt toward the conservative choice of Bridgewater. But Drew Locke has a chance to win this job. Certainly has the talent. Teammates believe in his confidence and his swag. But he's got to show it immediately uh, here in the, the mandatory camps coming up later in June. And he's got to hit the ground, you know, caffeinated in stride in training camp. Because for me, they need to decide that job within a couple weeks of training camp. They can't have it go down to the last week. Quarterback position battles typically can divide a locker room. It, it fractures teams, and it just leads to teams not being as prepared and looking sloppy early because the, the number one guy hasn't had enough reps. So I do believe Locke and or Bridgewater could get this team to 23 to 25 points a game, but they would have to both show significant improvement from a year ago. And the one out they would have is no matter which one starts, you'd have a guy you could go to the bullpen to maybe sneak out a game or two. So again, these offensive numbers, it's doable. It is. It's just today I wanted this podcast, I wanted to paint the scenario of what the Broncos are looking at regarding offensive improvement. They scored 20.2 points a game last year. They ranked last in the AFC West in scoring. Nine of the playoff teams last year were in the top 10 in scoring. And the Broncos, as we talked about earlier in the revealing stat, ranked dead last in touchdowns in the first half last year. 11 touchdown drives in the first half. Packers had 39. For the Broncos to have any chance, they've got to improve significantly offensively. they got to take care, better care of the football. And the last thing is they have got to start better. They need to start like Usain Bolt in first quarters. And right now they look like a sloth. And trudging toward the 50-yard line, hoping to play the field position game. So let's hope there's reason for optimism with a, a coordinator repeating his second season, uh, young players developing. There's always a chance for growth and improvement, but it's going to be necessary for the Broncos to reach the playoffs for that offense to take a big spike. So thanks again for joining me. Again, I'm your host, Troy Rink, for the Believe in Broncos podcast. Uh, you can catch me on Denver 7. Catch me on Twitter, at Troy Rink. 
T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K. Thanks as always to my sponsors at Superbook Sports and Hoggett Injury Law. Thanks to my son Dagan for producing the podcast. Again, I am doing this podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube